Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, this morning we are resuming our study in the book of Job. The book of Job raises that most important and difficult question, maybe the most asked and deep theological question that believers wrestle with, and that is the question, why does why do the godly suffer? This morning we'll be looking at chapters four and five. Just a short recap. Last week we had Job's friends, they come and they sit with him and we uh, celebrated the fact that they used wisdom and they came and they just sat and grieved with him. They weren't running their mouths and offering all their opinions or, or offering up superficial you know, nonsenses that do not help a person who's in this kind of uh, tragic state. And then we hear from Job finally. He gives his first discord. And he just talks about how he, his despair and how he wishes that he had never been born. And he curses the day that he was born. Chapter 4 and chapter 5, the wisdom of his friends... Uh, is about to end, and we're going to have the first discourse of his first friend, Eliphaz. Now, Eliphaz is going to come to a conclusion that many of us might come to. You know, he, Eliphaz, he, he's struggling with, well, if this is happening, it, it, it must be some kind of judgment from God for something that Job has done. Because he maintains that God's judgments are for the wicked. Um, and honestly, from the outside, if you're, if you're Eliphaz, you kind of understand, you might have that same mindset. He shares a vision that he has. And then in chapter 5, he urges that sin is the ruin of the sinner. So, I mean, there's actual real wisdom in the things that Eliphaz is saying. It's just that his perspective is wrong because he's he's beginning with the mindset that that Job must be a hypocrite, right? Kind of like the exact same mindset that Satan had about Job. Um, but as we'll read through this, it's 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 obvious that Eliphaz, he, you know, he thinks. He thinks what most of us would think. You know, God is a God of justice. And surely something like this, this horrific, wouldn't come upon Job unless there's some type of correction that needs to be done. And in fact, Eliphaz ends this portion of his conversation by talking about how Job should embrace the correction that he's receiving from God. And... And, uh, you know, so that's kind of the mindset of, uh, of, of, of Eliphaz. And I don't want to be too quick to judge him. In, this, in these two chapters, he spits out a lot of great wisdom. Um, but unfortunately, he's starting with the wrong foundation. Because in this instance, 
Job is not being tested because of anything that he has done. The scriptures leading up to this point are clear that Job was an upright man who feared God. So, there's the backdrop. There's not going to be much commentary for the rest of the reading this morning. I'm just going to read it. So open up your hearts. Listen to some of the truth that Eliphaz is going to speak. Uh, But also, we might try to remember to restrain sharing these ideas to a person who's suffering because, or at least refrain from making assumptions about why God would allow that person to suffer. All right. Let's read Job chapter 4 and chapter 5, King James Bible. Then Eliphaz the Timonite answered and said, If we essay to commune with thee, will thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. So please note, Eliphaz is saying, uh, w- is it going to upset you if we share some thoughts and ideas with you? I mean, I mean, who can, re- who can hold back? Is what Eliphaz is saying. And he brings up the fact that, hey, you know, in times past, Job, you were the one that were lifting people up and instructing people. Continuing on. Verse 5, But now it has come upon thee, and thou faintest, it touches thee, and thou art troubled. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee, who ever perished being innocent? Or where were the righteous cut off? So he's saying, hey, you used to be a teacher, you used to lift people up, um, but now troubles come upon you. And has this kind of thing ever come upon a person who's innocent? So right there's the accusation. Like, obviously, Job, you've done something. That's angered God. Verse 8, Even as I have seen they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. The roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion and the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perishes for lack of prey, and the stout lion's whelps are scattered abroad. Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a little thereof, in thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men. Fear came upon me, and trembling which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face, the hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before my eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal men be more just than God? 
Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly, how much less in them that dwell in the houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency, which is in them, go away? They die even without wisdom. So there's chapter 4. There's the first part of Eliphaz's conversation. He's, the main point he's making is, I've never seen the righteous suffer without a cause. Like, obviously there's something going on. Chapter 5, verse 1. Call now, if there be any that will answer thee, into which of the saints will thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety, and they are crushed in the gate, neither is there any to deliver them whose harvest the hungry eateth up, and taketh it even out of the thorns, and the robbers swallow up their substance. Although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground, yet man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. Interesting, he's, that first part there. He says, Call now any of the saints and see who will answer thee. He's arguing that the servants of God, the saints of God, that none of them ever had these divine judgments upon them like Job, or these sufferings brought upon them like Job did. Eliphaz can't get past the fact that you have had to have done something to deserve this. And now he's getting ready to go into really the rest of chapter 5 here, so the next 10 verses, he's going to be making the point that Job should seek God and embrace the correction, and then maybe there'll be a happy end after that. Like, you're clearly being corrected. It's you, you Stop resisting the correction. Receive what correction... So, so this sounds like good advice on the surface, doesn't it? Like, there's some people that could probably use that advice. Like, hey, it's time for you to seek God and understand that you're being corrected the quicker you can learn your lesson the quicker this trial can end right like that might be good advice for some people but not for job not in this instance verse 8 i would seek unto god and unto god i would commit my cause which doth great things and unsearchable marvelous things without number who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the fields to set up on high those that be low and that those which mourn may be exalted to safety? He disappointeth the vices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness and the counsel of the forward is carried headlong. 
They meet with darkness in the daytime and grope in the noonday as in the night. But he saveth the poor from the sword and from their mouth and from the hand of the mighty. So the poor hath hope, and iniquity stoppeth her mouth. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastising of the Almighty. For he maketh sore, and bindeth up, and he woundeth, and his hands make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. In famine he shall redeem thee from death, and in war from the power of the sword. Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue, neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh, neither shalt thou be afraid of the beast of the earth. For thou shalt be in a league with the stones of the field, and the beast of the field shall be at peace with thee. And thou shalt know that thy tabernacle shall be in peace, and thou shalt visit thy habitation, and shalt not sin. Thou shalt know also that thy seed shall be great, and thy offspring as the grass of the earth. Thou shalt come to thy grave in a full age, like a shock of corn cometh in his season. Lo, this, we have searched it, so is, hear it, and know thou for thy good. And so that's, that is Eliphaz's thoughts shared with Job. I'm going to go ahead and read chapter 6 real quick. Um... Well, let's see, what kind of time are we looking at? I'm trying to break these chapters up. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and wait till next week because we'll have, we have a back and forth with Job and Eliphaz. So we have Job that responds, but then Eliphaz responds again. So that would be, that would be good to read for next week. And then the following week, it'll go into the first discourse from his friend Bilidad. So there's Eliphaz's thoughts, initial thoughts anyway, is that Job clearly, there's something bigger going on here. Clearly there's a sin or, or something because, you know, God does not judge the righteous this harshly. You need to embrace God's correction. And then you'll be happy in the end, like he'll deliver you from all these things and you'll, you'll live this long life and he'll, you know, and really what Eliphaz is doing is he's just, he's going off the way he understands God's character. And it is, I mean, it's not, it's not really untrue. Many of the things that he's saying, for some reason, I'm reminded of the disciples there with Jesus and there's the blind man and they say who sinned Lord was it him like who's who's sin that he would deserve blindness from birth was it him or was it his parents and what was Jesus' response actually let's let's just read it real quick I think it I think it fits well with with our study this morning. So we go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Okay, here it is. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind 
from his birth. And the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they're, they're really coming to the same conclusion that Eliphaz is coming about Job. They're like, this is a terrible thing. There's no way this is happening to him for no reason. So whose fault is it? His or his parents? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. Jesus is saying this this terrible thing has come upon him not because he did anything not because his parents did anything to warrant this but because he's going to be used by God and there's a, there's actually a purpose in this and then he goes on to say I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man can work and as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had spoken thus, he spat on the ground, and he made clay of spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Solom, which is interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed, and came, seeing. So... And then, of course, there's this whole long story that goes along with this where the Pharisees are all worked up. And Anyway, we studied that when we studied the Gospel of John. The point is that sometimes things are happening and there's a bigger reason and a bigger purpose than what we can see on the surface and what we can make sense of because God's ways are higher than our ways. And just like this man was born blind, but there was a purpose for his life in it. And it brought God glory, and he got to be a part of it, and he had restoration. All right, I think that's a good place to stop. Thanks for listening this morning. I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you for praying for me and my family and the podcast. Need it, desperately need it. And, of course, the support that you guys offer. This this podcast is 100% listener-supported, so thank you, Patreon subscribers, and those of you who support through PayPal and through the mail. Um, it's far beyond what I deserve for this work. Thanks for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.